Hello, welcome back to the second series of the Untitled SEO podcast. My name's Andrew Laws, and I am honoured to have a guest here today. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Paris Vega. I'm the Chief Growth Officer at the Nine Digital uh, Marketing Agency and kind of a, an investor and co-founder in a couple other little projects. Nice to meet you, Paris. Right, I'm going to explain what we're doing in Season 2 of this podcast. We're going to call it LAN, so Live Action Networking. I've been in SEO for well over 20 years, and I know that a lot of people in SEO and digital marketing hang out and network with each other really well. And I've identified that over the years, some of the most interesting conversations about digital marketing happen during networking, during initially meeting people. Now, I live in a little town called Ipswich, which is about 100 miles east of London in the UK. And I kind of know everyone nearby now. I've been going for long enough that they all know me. I know them. So I wanted to reach out and find people in other places who I haven't met before. So each episode is a conversation, stroke networking thing. So mm-hmm. I'm going to guess with your accent that you're not in the UK. Nope. <laughs> nope. Where, whereabouts in the world are you? Um, in the United States, in the Austin, Texas area. Excellent. Well, you're the first person we've spoken to from Austin. Um, I know a little bit about the music scene there, but not much else, I'll be honest. Are you part of the Keep Austin weird scene? or uh, Probably not enough. Um, I've, I've recently moved here. Um, I lived in, grew up in Alabama mm-hmm. um, for 20 or 30, what is it, 30-something years. Uh, I was originally from Portland, Oregon. Wow. Um, so kind of been around a little bit, but, but yeah, we're, we're relatively new to, to the Austin area. Excellent. Right. So obviously you're in digital marketing and one of the things that I always like to know is, did you fall into digital marketing or was it a choice? Um, I think that it was a little combination of both because I started out as a design major. I was kind of an art student at first. And, um, at the time when I was in college, the digital media side of art was kind of just becoming mainstream or just kind of the early phase of that. Like I took some photography classes and we were in the dark room developing our film, you know, it was still like, that was still happening. That, and I that guess kind that's, of dates your age a little bit, yeah. if nothing else. <laughs> I, 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 I'm getting an idea of how old you yeah. are. Now. And the there were some people who would like turn in some digital where like digital cameras were just out like coming out, but they weren't like super high quality. You could still tell it was super obvious that it was digital, especially the early digital cameras had a lot of kind of weirdly over sharp yeah. pictures, you know, it'd be almost pixelated, it'd be so sharp. It just didn't look naturally sharp. And so it still had that look to it. And so it was kind of looked at as an abomination. <laughs> you know, when people would bring in their digital photography, it was like, it's not Good the true man. art. Um, and so it was kind of in that time period in the early uh, 2000s that I was in college. And uh, and so I was studying uh, studio art, graphic design, and digital media was kind of my focus. And so I got to play around with the tools of uh, digital media that would become kind of standard stuff for today's world where everybody can just jump into Canva and start editing and making stuff, you know, where back in the day... You had to pay Adobe three, four hundred dollars for the latest version of Photoshop. Um, 
So are you are you the right age to remember using things like Letraset before digital came along? I am not that old, oh. I guess. I don't know. I don't are know they, what that do is. Do you know, are they, they're like little sheets. I'm, I'm guessing right. I now know I'm a little older than you because okay. there, there were little sheets that you had that were like transfers, you know, like temporary transfers that kids have. Okay. Almost you may call like them that. something different. Yeah, the Electrosets a brand like Hoover okay. or, or Electrolux or whatever, but you had to rub every single oh, – it was, it was awful. But yeah, when digital okay. came along, I think what well, sounds like you were, you were part of the Wild West. You're on the frontier of digital if you're using some of the kind of the first tools that came about because this would have been sort of Web 2.0, as they used to call it, that sort of era. Yeah, it was right when that was – like CSS was just becoming like mainstream when I was <laughs> wow. like, getting into – learning about web development stuff and my first job on the kind of web development programming side of things um, after I you know studied art and been a freelance graphic designer for a little while I got a job at this interactive or this uh, internet marketing agency and they had more need for web development type work than just pure design and so I started to learn that side of it and my first task was just transitioning websites from table layouts to CSS layouts because back in the day, tables were used for the whole layout. Oh, it's like the a page. table within a table yeah. within a table. Nested right. tables, wasn't it? Tables all the way down. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so that was kind of how I cut my teeth in the web development was just going in, removing all tables and replacing everything with CSS. That, that's a nasty job. Well, at the time, I was just so new to all of it. Like I had taken a, a class in college that was horrible it was like html for the information superhighway or something and it was horrible like as their curriculum it was just them saying all right create a cell and put they were just instructing you on the details of how to make those, a table those guys were only ever like one step ahead of where we were or maybe like they they were one it was pre YouTube, but they were one tutorial, one page in a textbook ahead of where we were trying to learn those things. Yeah, I guess so. Everything was so new. So mm. the, the teachers, yeah, hadn't had time to really get deep into it. I mean, it was, it's so crazy looking at the world today because you can learn anything. Just it's a pure matter of will to learn something. But back then it was like maybe you'll stumble across the right book or person who knows actually what's going on or how to do something and you really had to dig we we didn't have the vocabulary to know know how to look or where to look so i remember things would come along uh, like seo for for me and i just kind of go what is this and it would take a while to actually figure out what what the, the business tool aspect of it as, as of it would be so you, you worked <laughs> fixing nested tables and then yep. I've read a bit of your biog. I didn't want to read too much. So I didn't want to spoil the surprises. Yeah, yeah. But you you started working for yourself fairly soon after that. Is that right? Um, yeah, I actually started working for myself in college. I started to do freelance design. And um, I, I really wanted to own a business or run a business since I was a kid for some reason, just mm -hmm. from whatever movies I'd seen. Or, <laughs> and growing up, kind of, oh, well, not kind of poor, really poor um, financially. So it was always, you know, looking up to move upward and, you know, watching Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. I don't know if you guys had that show. No, in the no. UK. I, I, I was trying to think what, what films it may have been that you watched. And, and I can't, <laughs> I can't think, but a lot of it, a lot of American TV, because in the UK, American TV was and still is very, very dominant. 
So we were living in, you know, I grew up in called Thatcher's Britain. So I grew up where not that long after there was so the country was so poor that we only had electricity four days of the week. And that seems wild now. But even in the <laughs> early 80s, we had we didn't really have any sort of exotic food. All the food was beige. All the cliches you hear about Britain in the 80s are completely true. We weren't quite queuing up for bread, but it, it was not. It was not a dazzling time. So American television, watching things like The Cosby Show, Cheers, yeah. uh, Night Rider, Street, anything American would just yeah. seem like so aspirational to us. Yeah. I never really thought about whether it would be the same if you were in America, but I, I guess that we yeah. just thought that's what we just thought everybody had a Trans Am. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nah. Yeah, there's, there's definitely uh, the haves and have nots, I think, across the world. So. Mm time you see somebody with something you don't have it makes you like whoa wait a minute so young free saw, saw that and thought i want some of that and yeah, yeah. at what point when you first started working for yourself was it as a freelancer or did you just pitch right into running an agency yeah i was just a freelancer but it, it soon became like uh, hiring friends to help on projects and that kind of thing it, because it, it seems like whenever you know if you you get a, a slightly good reputation doing something you, you know the work comes in faster you know more work than you can handle and so it's like hey i can get a p at least a piece of this money mm. if i hire somebody else and 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 so there was a little bit of that it was up and down but i got really annoyed with trying to collect money because uh, yeah. at the time i was just a college student you know and i was using some of my paid work uh, my client work as my school work mm -hmm. and I worked out a deal with the teachers and they're my professors and they're like, yeah, that's fine. You know, that sounds, sounds very wise. Yeah. And so I was getting paid for the, the work I was turning in for my graphic design I really class. Like my, that. my that's, really, that's, that's really made me smile. I like that a lot. <laughs> I mean, might as well. It's kind of like how some majors would like let the students do an internship or something like an engineering. You might work at a company as part of your, you know, course, uh, curriculum. Um, and so it just kind of evolved into that. And so I didn't start an agency intentionally at that time, but I guess that was kind of an aspiration. Maybe so the, 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 the deliberate but, getting into digital marketing and the accident, accidental building the agency. Well, um, it was really that first company that I went to work for after I got tired of trying to collect money all the time. I wasn't mm -hmm. aware of how much of that admin work was involved running a business uh there's that e-myth book i don't know if you've ever read yeah, the e -myth. absolutely yeah it's revisited um and that whole concept of that the folks who are doing the technical work the actual execution there's like this syndrome that happens you're like well i'm the one doing the work so i could do my have my own business you know i'm the one doing everything and you don't realize there's layers and layers of it's administration and and all this you know horrible work that you you are not interested in at all but still has to be done by somebody well that 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 book in particular is is one of those things that i was about to ask you at, at what point did you realize you you were doing things the difficult way because everyone i've spoken to in digital marketing has this breakwater moment where they go do you know what i'm making my life more difficult than i need to and for me it was reading that book it was reading that okay. book and the whole thing about you don't own a business you own a job i was like yeah that's <laughs> that's quite shocking the the scales fell from my eyes and i realized that things things had to change yeah sadly i didn't run into that book until years later 
And it wasn't until looking back that I realized, oh, that's why certain things <laughs> well, no, didn't work here. out. I mean, I'd been going about 15 yeah. years by the time I read that book. Yeah. And so I kind of stopped freelancing for a little while or just did it on the side and just decided I'm just going to go get a job at a company mm-hmm. because I don't want to have to do sales and billing collection. And so I, that's when I got a job at that uh, internet marketing company I mentioned earlier. Um and built some good relationships with some folks there that I ended up doing business with for decades after. Um, and that was just my first job out of college. And I actually worked at that company a little bit during college, um, part-time. Um, <coughs> but they did um, SEO. They were running ads, you know, SEM stuff. Social media wasn't out yet. Um you could just post organically. I think there weren't like ads on Facebook Mm. when I first started working there. So that wasn't really a thing. And like the business world hadn't taken over social media yet. Um, And so it was still early days there. So they were just focused on SEO, SEM and uh, building their little websites and custom PHP. Like they hadn't gotten into WordPress yet. WordPress hadn't totally dominated yet. Um. And I actually helped introduce WordPress to that company um, just because I I was still doing a little bit of freelance work. I think that's why it's important to maybe allow employees or for employees to try and seek out freelance work because it just expands your skill set. This is one of the precepts of my business that anyone who works for me um, mostly got a team of freelancers and a couple of employees, but I'm keen that they explore freelancing because the amount you learn working for a company with a set number of, of, um, of clients is finite you know the opportunities that come along however many clients you've got there there is a a bookend to that whereas if a freelancer or even a member of staff has their own clients as well the opportunities to learn is so much bigger and they can learn the things by solving problems outside of your business they bring to your business it's it's kind of like free training and they're making money from it it's i think it's a win-win situation for sure uh and that's that's what happened with me uh got this project building a designing a logo and a website for a solar company. And it was actually from my first Facebook ad um, because once Facebook started running at allowing ads, I ran one for like 50 bucks and had this little ad that had a guy punching through his laptop screen. And it said, do you hate your website? Hire me a professional designer to help you out. It was just a simple little ad pulling up people's emotions. But I got that lead turned into like a $500 logo project. And I think I charged them like a thousand bucks to rebuild their website totally, <laughs> which is kind of crazy looking back. But anyway, 50 bucks turned into you know $1,500 of work. And I just, at that time was not like digital marketing focused, didn't have a marketing uh, sense really at all. And I was like, Oh, cool. I got that work, but I can't be spending $50 all the time. Mm. So I didn't run any more ads to get more freelance work. Cause I thought it was too expensive and just wasn't doing the most basic like return on investment math of, Hey, you got 1500 for $50 ad. Like that's amazing. And, uh, and so I just, and part of that maybe was because I was, you know, working outside of the main job, starting a family, just had a kid. Oh, wow. So there's a lot going on, but I just did not have that marketing sense at the time. 
Um, and so I probably missed out on a ton of leads that I could have gotten early days of Facebook where it was so cheap. Yeah. So I, cheap I, to run ads. Even with Google ads, I remember running campaigns and we were paying for two, three pence, pence, cents a, a click. It, it was absurdly cheap. It, mm. it was almost like, well, why wouldn't you do that? Because it was so yeah. easy. So what happened? When did you get switched on to the marketing aspect of, of, of what we right. So for years, I uh, worked at that agency um, and for about three years, and then it got bought by a, a bigger local company and worked at the new company for about a year. And then I was like, you know what? I don't really like this bigger corporate uh, vibe here. This is not what I want. And, uh, and so I started looking around and got a job at a smaller local agency, um, just being there, uh, like website guy helping design and build websites. And, um, that was, they were trying to do social media marketing. And so got a little more exposure there. And, uh, that was before again, social media marketing was really mainstream. So you try to sell it to people and they're like, what, <laughs> what is that business content on Facebook? What are you talking about? Because <laughs> it was just not as common yet. And so worked there a year. And uh, then because I had been like putting my work on my website, my personal website, did a little bit of blogging here and there. Uh, somebody saw my work and um, reached out and hired me to come uh, or offered me a job to come work on a, a government contract working with the military to design some software interfaces for it's like the, the software they use to manage their finances, uh, the certain part of our military. And, and so I left that agency and, and took that opportunity and um, just went into design mode for about a year. And that was a really interesting experience because it was just a totally different world where I was used to more web development and being around website designers and developers and marketing folks. And then this was like, high-level software engineer folks. And I just used to think software, website development, it's kind of the same, but it is not the same. <laughs> no, it, it very much would have been to, to us or people in, in your situation at the time. I've, I've never worked on pure dev or kind of what would now be like offline dev, I guess. But yeah. yeah, no, I can see why you would have thought that. So was it a rude awakening or was it a pleasurable learning opportunity? Um. It was a little bit of both. They were because they were wanting me to learn some of the like, what was it, .dot net, mm -hmm. the Microsoft programming language stuff, and I was more on the design side of things. I had just done a little bit of like PHP and HTML and CSS, and I was just I got in there trying to learn the .dot net stuff, and I was just like, ah, oh, my brain just melted, and uh, and so I just focused on the design side while I was there, but. It was crazy getting exposed to that. It was really eye-opening because there was like one guy on the team, one of the software engineers, and the whole time I was there for like maybe eight months on that project, something like that, the whole time he was just working on this like one formula to make this one aspect of the software a little faster. And I was just like, what? <laughs> what does that even mean? Like, what do you mean you're working on this form? Like every meeting, you're like, yep, I'm just optimizing God, the, for the a little more performance between SMEs and the people you'd worked with before and then the military that must have been yeah very different it's like I, I knew someone who, yeah. who worked at a clients he was an engineer um, a, a, 
I can say a proper engineer. No, not not that devs aren't proper engineers, but he was, you know, machines yeah. and stuff. And he got a job working for BMW, and they were spending something like fifteen million pounds a year trying to cut down two seconds off their one of their production lines. Two seconds. Right. That was his entire job. Is just save us two <laughs> seconds. It's remarkable. Yeah. Because it adds up over time. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. saves them millions probably. Um, yeah. So, you know, worked a different freelance jobs for a little while and then decided to start my own company. Uh, it was called the web craftsman. And so I partnered up with a buddy that I'd worked with the previous company. He was deeper into development and I was more on the design side and we partnered up and, um, this was when responsive web design was becoming big. And so that was kind of our pitch. Like, Hey, we can help your website work on all devices, you know, wherever it is. People can access your website. It should work. Short period of panic. Uh, We've seen something similar with GA4 coming in recently, but suddenly everyone was like, Oh my God, our website doesn't work on mobile devices. When we built it, there was WAP. There was no mobile internet. So so you you found, you found a, a good seam of opportunity there. Yeah, we, we got a little bit of work. We did that for a few years. And then um, our old boss was starting a, a project and we heard he needed some uh, web development help. And so we reached out and started working on that project and then ended up taking over our lives for the next five or six years because uh, it, it grew and did well. And so we kind of accidentally became part of a startup when we thought we were just, hey, we'll we'll do this for like two months and then move on. And it just, and it just grew. And uh, that was like a truck driver recruiting uh, business. And so throughout that business is when I really went deep into marketing and more into SEO and, and all that kind of stuff, because I started off on being more of a project manager, product manager side and uh, helping manage the designers and developers and then moved in over the course of that project um, after about maybe a year or two into managing the the marketing side of things. And uh, we tested out Facebook ads and became one of the first in, in that industry to really use Facebook uh, to recruit truck drivers and saw a lot of success there and, uh, you know, experimented with other formats or with other platforms. We experimented with a little content marketing and, um, and yeah, so I got a lot of experience just managing one client that worked with, you know, a few hundred clients itself. And so we were managing a few hundred campaigns um, to get leads. And then also our main um, kind of brand and accounts. And uh, and so that's that was really the deep dive and kind of a transition where I went from being more on a mix of design and dev and product manager guy into more digital marketing focus. Uh, and then that carried me into eventually getting the job I have now at the nine where I uh, started out as their marketing director, building the marketing department, defining the services and processes and helping recruit the team. And then uh, transitioning over time as we put better people than me in place at each of the positions, you know, more specialized folks, um, now I'm the, the chief growth officer role, whatever that means. I just helping the company grow in whatever way I can. And so that's kind of the summer, the brief history that, that brings us to today. It, it's really interesting. And, and I, I think everyone that I, was, I speak to has a slightly different path, but there, there's 
none of us are the same and i find that fascinating and part of the reason i I was so keen to talk to you about your origin story is that you run a podcast so your podcast is called first customers was it first customer sorry first customers first customers podcast yeah and you've done nearly 50 episodes of that Mm -hmm. so wow what what explain the concept because yeah. I think so when in 2019 uh, that truck driver recruiting project was sold and so I had a little gap well I, it was kind of by choice so I talked to the the boss man and I was like hey this is awesome we did it we built something for five six years it sold awesome what are we doing next you know what's the next big project you know the next big hunt, um, the next big problem to tackle. And he was like, man, I'm on a non-compete for whatever, however many years, you know, this is part of the deal. And I was like, okay. He was like, so he was kind of in cruise mode for a little while. And I was like, well, I can't hang around and keep doing what we've been doing. I gotta, I gotta do something else. You know, I was just itching to try something else and experiment and try some of my own ideas. And so, so I left that project and took about uh, maybe six months or so of experimenting and trying different things. And one of the things was starting this podcast, First Customers. Um, um, I went and worked with uh, Dropify. I don't know if you've heard of that software before, but it helps drop shippers like sell stuff from all other websites on, mm-hmm. and they can sell it on the Shopify store. But uh, a buddy of ours who actually worked with us on that truck driving project at first, he was the first uh, marketing guy on that project, but his startup just exploded. His little side project, Dropified, just took off, and so he left, and that's why I actually took over the marketing because he All right, cool. <laughs> wasn't available. Um, and so after our project sold, reconnected with that guy, and uh, he hired me to be a, a product manager temporarily, and I worked there for like three months, and then I was like, man, I've got to – scratch this itch and go try to do some of my own ideas. And so, um, spent that six months in 2019, trying different things, failing horribly at all of them most for the most part. (laughs) But what a joy to have that opportunity rather than, yeah. You know, I I wish I could, I wish I could say I (laughs) was joyful during that time, but it was pretty stressful. (laughs) It was, uh, a big learning experience and a lot, I learned a lot of hard lessons, but it was one of those things where I don't think I could have avoided it because of the state of mind I was in at the mm-hmm. time. Like I had to try these things that I've been thinking about for years. Um, and a lot of it wasn't even clearly defined projects. It was just, I've got to try my own thing. And, you know, and so I did that, tried a couple different, start a couple different websites, projects, um, and just didn't give myself enough runway with any of them um, because it was more of a desperate, this has to work in one month. Yeah, or, there's the kind of the hustle you know. side of that being useful, yeah. but there's also the, the stress of that, especially with any, any new project, actually kind of blinding you to some some quite obvious facts or quite obvious truths. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. they say fail harder, fail quicker. I've, I've done plenty of failing plenty quick. Yeah. <laughs> and so I did not have the appetite i guess enough for any of the projects or belief enough strong enough conviction to go as deep as maybe they would have required like you know i could have taken out a whole bunch of debt and just went all in and and that's what it takes sometimes and that's Mm -hmm. actually what it took for 
that uh, truck driver recruiting project that had sold because I, at the start of that project, I didn't get paid for like six months. It was pure investment mode while we were running our other company. And we had also done a bad deal with this agency where they had a, a retainer with us. But if they didn't have any projects one month, they would just pay us regular. But then anytime they wanted to cash in that money they paid us and give us work, they could say, hey, we paid you, so you owe us this much work. Oh, man, how do you resource that kind of that, – that's, <laughs> that's painful. And so during that period, they called in all the chips, basically, all the money they paid us and had all these projects for us to do while we were investing in this other project. And we, on top of that, that's two whole jobs that don't even pay for that current moment. So we had to also do new work to pay our bills. So you were getting like one, two hours sleep a night at this time. Exactly. A, a lot of caffeine. <laughs> and with a young family as well. And yeah. Yeah. So that was the dark times, uh, the darkest, I think in my career, stress wise, you know, everything, family, everything. Um, and just pushing it too far because of being stupid and making bad deals and just being not reading enough books beforehand because in the years following those hard times started getting into like audible listening to books and uh just opened my mind to how stupid i was in the past so if you're listening get knowledge get wisdom learn from other people because man it'll save you so much so much pain um because i, I try to look back and reanalyze like man how could i have avoided these problems or made more out of the these different situations. And, and it becomes so clear uh, looking back as I, as I learn better ways of doing things or learning how other people have done things, have done things better. Um, but yeah, so made it through those dark times, obviously, and, and that company sold. And so I was in that period of experimentation and uh, re the guy that I work for now, I work with at the nine, um, they had this project called MyCast. One of their developers had built a side project. And I joined up with them um, as an investor and partnered with them, eventually became a, a co-owner. And um, they, well, now we're like the number one fan casting website. So if you search fan casting or fan casting any movie role, I didn't even know this was a hobby that existed, but people will search or they'll uh recommend who they want to see in a movie role like whether it's oh, oppenheimer or barbie yeah. yeah they'll say hey i want so and so to be barbie or so and somebody else to be oppenheimer or whatever and they can make a list of all the roles in a movie and all the actors they would want to see so it's just mycast.io is that it yep that's us yeah you're number one they just, yeah. you probably already know but yeah your seo you're number one in the uk as well as uh, states yeah, it's pretty dominant SEO wise, uh, all over the place for all, you know, millions of keywords related to that topic. And, uh, yeah, that was one of those things just happened to meet the you know right people at the right time and heard about this project. And when they started to show me, even back then it was like 2019. So the traffic wasn't as nearly as big as it is now, but even back then I was like, man, this is got some traction. And ever since they had launched the site, it was kind of a steady just growth chart. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but this is something like, this is interesting. Like people care about this. And so that's why I got involved and 
helped make some changes that helped, you know, increase that growth rate a little bit. At first we were experimenting with stuff I'd done before, like, Hey, let's try some Facebook ads and different things, but it's a user generated content site. And so that's really tough to stay on a public platform, any of these ad platforms, because people are crazy and post the worst of everything. <laughs> like, so you get, it's it's kind of nice to hear someone admit quick. that. <laughs> yeah. It's so hard managing the humans on that platform, on our website. We're always getting like, uh, contacted by lawyers constantly saying you got to take down this or that content. Like they have automated things that I, I didn't even know existed, but it's like you can register your, your photos or like models do this, I guess, because we've gotten contacted by their lawyers all the time. They'll register their photos with this digital rights. You know, I guess the DMR stuff, digital, digital right or DRM. Uh, so those will be like this library of all their content and they got it, you know, tagged and I guess they have bots that crawl the internet looking for people who are illegally posting or sharing their content. It, it, and so it's, it's it automatically sends us, yeah, it automatically sends us these emails saying we got to take whatever content down on whatever URL. And so that's a constant thing with that project. But I guess that's kind of the pain of, of being a website that size where anybody can post anything unless our internal controls filter it out or our human moderators filter stuff out. Um, that's, that's but a it's lot, wild. That's a lot to take on. We're, we're slightly running short on time now, please. So I'd really like to ask you, out of all the people that you've, you've spoken to on the First Customers podcast, are there kind of common threads? Are there common regrets or common, just any commonality? Is, is there something yeah. that, that when it pops up, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, no, this, this, this comes up a lot? Yeah, so the kind of overall pattern with first customers um, that comes up. Well, first the context of the show is talking to entrepreneurs about how they got their first customers. So we talked to all types of businesses Love it. Um, from SaaS to, you know, manual labor type businesses. And because of this period where I took all this experimentation time and everything, I, I experienced the pain of going from no customers to trying to figure out how to get that first customer. And that was a very visceral, real experience for me during that time. And so that was kind of the reason I started the podcast. It was like, I want to learn how other people are doing this, how they're starting something and getting that first customer, because there's got to be, like you're saying, some patterns that, that I'll learn. And also there's the networking and things like that, that you're talking about for this podcast. Um, and so the common things kind of get reduced down to basic principles of marketing, like define your target audience, connect with that audience physically, if possible, like in person, and then learn from their conversations, their feedback, you know, listen well to that target audience and adjust what you offer to kind of line up more with what their needs are, their desires or, or whatever it is, your product or service, take that client feedback or that potential customer feedback and, and use it, um, in your targeting, your messaging, whatever it is. Um, and that seems to be that, even though that's kind of three simple things, define your target audience, connect with them and to use their feedback in your product or service. But, but that seems to be kind of the little niche, little secret that keeps showing up. The people who know their target audience the best and connect with them the most 
<coughs> like this one guy sold his business for like $200 million. And the only marketing he ever did was like an annual event or like an event every, maybe a couple times a year where just his customers were invited and they would end up upselling each other on the additional services or, or different aspects of the product that their company offered. And it became like this, you know, which one was thing that, that everybody looked forward to. I want to specifically go back and listen to that one. That was the episode with John Darbyshire. Or and uh, he, I don't remember the number at the moment, but his oh, I'll find it. current company is Smart Suite. And I don't remember the name of his original company, but, you know, it was a perfect example of he was using his personal network to meet people and came up with the whole business idea because of a need that he discovered in the market and designed a solution for it in the early web days and uh, dominated without running a single ad. It was crazy. That That's brilliant. Um, we're going to have to draw it to a close, unfortunately, but I was at a meeting um, like a community group that we're setting up here here in Ipswich to to well, just to celebrate the the town and creativity, and one of the colleagues, somebody I work with regularly, who start well, he's, he's done several startups and exited. He's, he's someone I consider is quite successful. He was saying that the thing that he's learned the most in the last six months is go offline. You know, yeah. meet with people, be be an actual human being because that right. will now there's now so much online noise that's now yeah. what's going to connect and I'm, I'm a firm believer with it with especially with regards to promoting my own seo agency that that i think that little nugget you gave us there about the three the three things is so powerful and it's such a lovely note to end on because i want people to remember those bits so <laughs> there, there's several things that, that i wanted to speak to you about like ai and and your music because we're both musicians um, just, oh yeah just quickly what what do you play uh, bass mainly, bass guitar, and then, hey, hey, there we so go. For podcast is yeah. I'm pointing at a bass that, that I've got. got that. Oh, and actually, there's a Strat here as well. Yeah, uh, but like me and my family, uh, we just had our first little jam session with the kids last night, actually. And so I'm on guitar, like acoustic, and my son's learning bass, my daughter's learning drums, and my wife was on the keys. And that is so cute. We just had a good little jam session. There's, um, do you know the band Crowded House? Nope. Oh, there's a band. Uh, they were huge, and they were big in America in, in the '90s. Um, uh, but the, the the main guy Tim, he's started touring with his family. His two boys. Oh, that's cool. They're in the drum and in in the band, and, and so his wife. They are now crowded house, pretty much. But we could go rattling awesome. on, and unfortunately, we are we were actually run over. But I was thoroughly enjoying talking to you, Bree. So, I'm going to put yeah, some notes fun. in the show notes so people can find out more about you. And do you want to leave us with a final thought? Hey, uh, this life is short, you know, it's, it's crazy times in the world. If you, if you zoom out. So, uh, as you're hustling or working, whatever you're doing, wherever you're listening to this show, you know, remember the people that you, that you care about the most, take time to talk to them, engage, try to be present because like we're saying, uh, the digital world is overwhelming these days. You can get flooded. From, with notifications and there's there's never ending tasks now you know the work day never ends anymore because you can always access everything online from your devices so uh yeah to leave people with something say hey make sure you disconnect be present look into your kids eyes every once in a while <laughs> and uh and yeah 
don't forget what life's about. That's absolutely wonderful. Thank you very much for your time. I'm going to say goodbye now. Would you like to say goodbye? See you.